Somebody's going to go bridge here. It's better time. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Gombridge Podcast, episode 56. My name is Andrew Garner, joined alongside by Alex Lawson and Steve Brady. Boys, how are we doing today? News has just crossed my desk that the Rays ALDS champs t-shirts has made it across the pond. They're going to the third world countries. The people are parading. The people who wanted the Rays got the Rays. But in the good old US of A, the Rays did not win the ALDS. Went to the Boston Red Sox, baby. Let's go. (laughs) I I mean, I'm doing fantastic. I hope that those people in need enjoy the nice, comfortable, high-quality shirts with the ALDS Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, Steve, I hate to interrupt, but these people are on quite the ride. They just got the Yankees winning the wild card t-shirts just about a week ago. And today they get the Rays winning the ALDS. What's next? I don't know. You know, personally, I think it's stupid that they even make t-shirts for those two games. I was shocked when they brought out t-shirts for the Red Sox. They normally never do it after the ALDS. I think it's stupid. I think it's like just stupid. Like, did you see the shirts yesterday? It said like pennant push. It's like, yeah. <laughs> hey, like, it was like keep, pennant chase. Keep going. Yeah. 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 It's like you're like a third of the way there. Good job. Yeah. But anyway, Red Sox in four games, we played the top seeded Tampa Bay Rays. Steve, do you know what happened? Because I lost, I lost internet connection. I don't know. What happened last night or what happened in the yeah. series? What happened last night? Do you want to do this thing again that we did last week that you had so much fun doing? I don't want to do it again. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you, though. Oh, last okay. night, the Boston Red Sox beat the Tampa Bay Rays and closed out the series three games to one to move on to the American League Championship Series in the upcoming days. What a, Steve, what a series it was. Wait, Steve, who are they playing? I'm still up in the air right now. What? We clinched before anybody else? We clinched before anybody else. I mean, no. Given that the Astros and White Sox got delayed yesterday. So there's an asterisk on that, just like there's an asterisk on everything the Astros do. But, you know. Clawson? I was just agreeing. I have a point, but I'll make it later. Yeah, I think I have them thinking about the same thing you're thinking about. Uh, yeah, uh, the Red Sox, we're going to start with game four because personally I was at game four and we can talk more about, you know, that whole wild day of events and then we'll kind of work our way back in the series and then we'll hit you guys with a little preview for the ALCS. So last night, obviously, game four, Red Sox are up 2-1 in the series. So Gone Bridge as a whole going into last night, 15 and 0 at Fenway Park. 15 and 0 at Fenway Park. Now, Steve? So, to clarify, the fifth, technically, I think now we are 16 and 0 if we're doing we are. as, you know, as we were. That 16 and 0 accounts for all of us as individuals, gets like one win when we're there. It does not account for the overlap games when we go together. But even in the overlap games, when we go together, I think we're still 12 and L or something. I think we're, yeah. yeah 11 like, and L maybe. Like the three of us went to one game together and then Steve and Klaus went to another game together. But I like, think we're 12 and 0 separately. Yeah. And 16 and 0 now, if you count. Like combined. 
So but I will say this. I'll say this. Gombridge fans, we really don't ask a lot from you. However, I think after last night, it kind of showed that, like, we got to be there. So before the ALCS starts, we play Friday, Saturday, wherever, in whatever city. And then we're back to Boston Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. If anybody from the Red Sox is listening to this, or if our fans could be ever so grateful because we're going to put this on Twitter, try to push it, I feel like the Red Sox have got to have us in the building. It just makes sense, you know? And we've, we've like, made jokes about this all year, and it's like, oh, the Red Sox should, like, you know, like, they should, like, such a small investment to get us to games for the rest of the year because we're the good luck charm. But I feel like it's gotten to the point now where it's a little bit ridiculous. Like, 16-0 and – like, it's not like we're 6-0. We're 16-0. Like, th- that's really impressive. So, if we could get a push on Twitter, like, I, I don't even know how we're going to do this, but we need some support to get someone in the Red Sox ticket sales office attention because I feel like it's a no-brainer. It's got to happen. It just makes sense. I'll sit. It just makes sense. Cost I'll me. sit on the roof. I don't care. Yeah, no. You can literally put me anywhere in the stadium. I do not care. As long as my body has entered Fenway Park or one of our bodies has entered Fenway Park. Red Sox are golden. Even if you just send one of us to each game. I'll hang out with the elevator guys that just Dude. have the game on the on the iPad while they yeah. push the numbers. Yeah, I'll put honestly, I'll work. You put me in the kitchen like the State Street kitchen or something. You put me as a vendor. That's fine. That's honestly fine. I just got to be there. Still counts. Still yeah. counts. Yeah. So yeah, last night improved to 16 and 0. I decided last minute that I was going to go and I went with one of my friends drove down. First of all, Boston yesterday absolute mess. What I mean, not a good day to drive down to Boston. It's never a good day to drive down to Boston when the Red Sox are playing anyways. Granted, it's a playoff series. And granted, the Boston Marathon was also going on. So it took us about three hours for what should have been about an hour and 15 drive, but ended up making it. We got like stuck by the Boston marathon finish line, get over to Fenway, uh, find a parking garage, you know, get in there. Fenway's buzzing. I've just never seen so many people like out on, uh, what is it called now? I don't even, Oh, Jersey street and like Lansdowne. I've never seen so many people out there so early before the game started. No, I was uh, I was talking to my mom about it yesterday, and the entire debacle with or the 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 madness of Game Three. Mm-hmm. You know, the crowd was pretty into that one, and she was like, "I wonder if people are getting people have enough energy to go for Game Four. And I was like, "Mom, it's Marathon Monday. The Sox are game away from clinching. Fenway is going to be at all time levels." And I think I was right. I will say this: the storyline for yesterday could not have been written any better. The pregame ceremony, it wasn't like huge, but they, you know, they talked about the marathon a little bit and then um, they brought out a bunch of people who were, you know, affected by the marathon. And like, dude, it was, it was pulling out my heartstrings. Like I was holding back tears. Will Middlebrooks led them out from center field. Like it was, it was intense. It was like a very, strong moment and right then and there you're just kind of like all right this team's gonna bring it today you know 
I was I was hoping they were gonna wear the yellows. Not gonna lie, I felt like that was kind of a missed opportunity. But between the the marathon like that and just an unbelievable walk off home run last night or on game three, I mean the storyline couldn't have written itself any better. I mean, when it comes to the Boston Marathon, I knew that the fans were going to bring it. I mean, Fenway has been so loud and electric those two games. <clears throat> you could hear it just watching the broadcast, how loud Fenway was. It was honestly insane. Then, I mean, you combine it with Marathon Monday, there was literally just no way that the Red Sox were going to lose last night. Especially no. with Andrew Gardner in the building. There's just no way. There's just no way. No, it Stars was just, aligned. It was beautiful. Clausen? One of those things that sports loves is poetry, especially mm-hmm. Boston sports loves poetry. Boston sports. Poet. Big haiku guy. Last night was just a poetic evening. It was. It was awesome. I was sitting, you know, you had people walking around with the marathon jackets on. You know, they just finished the race. They're coming to Boston. I even saw on Twitter there was a reporter who – ran the marathon and then came over and, uh, you know, covered the game. So it was just the sense of community in Boston yesterday was awesome. Big shout out to Boston PD. I mean, they were, they were everywhere. They were working overtime. So Boston as a whole yesterday, it was a mess getting in because traffic was terrible, but Boston was thriving yesterday as a whole. So anyway, let's get to the game. Um, Sit down, I'm sitting in section eight. So, you know, kind of right down pesky pole territory, uh up back a little bit and uh yeah the red Sox. it was just electric i mean we were i was on my feet probably 70 to 80 percent of the game um you know you had it was awesome you had i had a dad and like his two kids behind me and that was cool to see and then i had you know just like there's such a great array of people and the thing with playoff games is that like those are the diehards that go to those games there's no school groups there's no tour groups there's no like church outing to fenway park like it was the real deal. There's uh, just like the game we went to with section 10, there's nobody sitting like the guy that was sitting behind us. That no. Had, had never experienced a, an inning of organized baseball before in his life. No, no. There was no guy who's like, so what does the guy in the black suit mean? What does he do? No, there was none of that. Um, it was just, it was an awesome atmosphere. Uh, Eddie came out. Diced the first three innings. He was perfect through three. Came out firing. He looked really, really good last night. He was in control. Um, I mean, the team looked good. And then you get to the th- bottom of the third. The Rays put in McClanahan because you knew they were they were gonna. I mean, they're they're just depleting their bullpen. If this series ended up going to five, I honestly don't know who the Rays would have thrown in that fifth game. They had depleted literally just about everybody. They threw they everybody, and they threw. Kittridge yesterday in like the third inning. Yeah. After he already went in game three, too. So he wouldn't have been available for game five, probably. They just depleted everybody. Eddie looked great. I mean, people were nervous about Eddie yesterday because he just got shelled in the first in the first game. And he has been better on the road the entire year, pretty much. But <clears throat> he came out and he and he shoved for what five innings? Looked five innings. And I want to talk about We'll, we'll get to something in a minute that I want to talk about. Um, but, yeah, bottom of the fifth comes around. The bats start heating up. I forget how that inning started. Uh, it was – let's see here. Bottom of the third. Oh, yeah, Vasquez singled 
to center to start it. And then um, Randy or Christian flew out, Schwarber walked, and then Kike flies out. So you got first and second, two out with Rafi coming up. And I'm just like, Rafi, come on, man. Just like put one in play. I know it's a lefty versus lefty matchup. Just do you're it. You're saying that was the third inning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said fifth. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant the third inning. Third inning. I meant fifth because I think they uh, – news news break, they scored five runs in that inning. True. Uh, Rafi comes up and just smokes one. And from where I was sitting, I had a pole right in front of my face, which was not great. It was classic Fenway. Um, so I see the ball go up. I kind of like turn my head around the pole to the left. I'm like, all right. Uh, thing is ripped. So I turn my head to the right. I see Kiermaier back up against the wall, and then he sprints towards, like, the infield. So I was like, all right, the Sully's going off the wall. And then first row, center field, drops in there. Place was nuts. Absolutely nuts. And the guy who caught the ball, Zach Hample, I don't know how that guy does it. I can't stand that guy. (laughs) He had both home runs. I saw – uh, the guy catch it. And I was like, that looks like Zach Hample. Like no one else wears that MLB like logo hat. And then I saw on Twitter that he caught it. And then later in the game, when Franco hit the home run, I saw him catch it again. I was like, how the hell does he do that? I mean, it was good to see Rafi hit that bomb because he has been struggling a little bit as of late. And one thing I, I think he's hurt, honestly, I think oh, there's something wrong he's with him. totally hurt. Yeah. There's definitely something wrong with Rafi right now. And the thing about him slumping that I don't love more than just the fact that I don't love that he's slumping is that he just keeps swinging out of his shoes, like so hard, every single at bat, pretty much every single pitch he swings at, he's trying to rip it as hard as he possibly can. I'd like to see him. And I know he hit that shot yesterday, but that was middle, middle right down Broadway. It was hard to miss. If he just maybe readjusts a little bit in the cage, I guess, before we get to, uh, game one of the ALCS, if he just tries to put the ball in play a little bit more, maybe use the opposite field a little bit more. I would like to see that because I think he's just swinging a little too hard right now. And that's like really the only piece of criticism I'm going to have for anybody on this team for the entire series. Cause I think everybody realistically played well. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, he, I just get afraid every time he swings, like swings and misses, he's like grimacing at his wrist or arm. And then he drops the bat and he like holds his shoulder. And I'm like, dude, your arm is going to fall off. If you keep swinging like this, like you're a very talented player. It's like golf. If you swing too hard, you're going to top it. You're not going to like, it's not going to go well. You just nice and easy, you know, just threw the ball, hit a single, hit a double. It doesn't have to be a shot every time. Um, So yeah. And then the Red Sox ripped four straight hits in a row. Got Xander singling Verdugo off the monster. Monster is taking a beating that inning. Three balls in a row off of it. Verdugo doubled and uh, JD singled, which could have possibly been stretched to a double with anybody with decent speed. And then Renfro doubled, makes it JD five nothing. Run. No, no, he can't. Like he physically cannot run right now. So, um, no, he can't at all. He's he's just getting by. I mean, it's the end of the season. We've been playing for six and a half months. Guys are banged up. I mean, guys hurt. Yeah, hurt himself on on second base. However yeah. long ago. So but he's he's been playing well. Yeah, he's, he's been doing great. Um, he had another two hits last night. I mean, that lineup last night was just so deep. Like, the fact that you have Hunter Renfro hitting seventh. I was just going to say, I love five through seven right now. I feel yeah. like that is just as good as our three, like our two through four. Well, for a while there, like, there was a time where that was almost like our two, like two, four, and five hitters. 
because maybe you'd have like Xander slotted in there. Uh, but, you know, now that you, you got Schwarber at the top of the lineup and you kind of move Verdugo down, like the depth is just incredible. Off the charts. Incredible. So fourth inning goes by fast. Fifth inning rolls around. I say to my friend, or wait, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Fifth inning comes around. Rafi or Eddie gives up the hit, the double. They score on, you know, a couple ground outs, stuff like that. Five one, you know, whatever. They get one. Um, then top of the six, it's still five to one. I say to my friend, I see that Brazier is warming up in the pen. He was warming up the inning before, and then Hout came up and started warming up. And Kiermaier was up, last guy in the lineup. He's a lefty on lefty. And I say to him, I say, I can guarantee you that no matter what happens here, even if Kiermaier strikes out, this is going to be Eddie's last batter because you don't want him statistically facing the lineup for a third time through. You've got – I don't even remember who led off for them last night. Uh, oh, Randy. You got Randy and then Franco. Like, I would rather have Hauk facing them. And Eddie gives up a leadoff double. And then I go on Instagram later to see a certain account, like, bashing Cora for taking Eddie out, who I, – I don't know. That kind of annoyed me. I'm not going to lie. Because, like, you just got to play the numbers. You got to play the numbers. I know he was dealing, but this is the playoffs. You can't leave him in for too long. Steve, you look. I mean. Did you see? You guys saw what I was saying? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. All right. But I think that Alex Cora, the reason why we have such good playoff success is because of how he manages the bullpen and the pitching staff in general. You know what I mean? Between the 2018 playoff run where – he had guys like Porcello and Avaldi and Price coming out of the bullpen when we really needed them, and he was managing it really well, and he had Chris Sale close out the clinching game of the World Series instead of Craig Kimbrell. The guy just knows what he's doing. On top of that, you had Game 3 where Nick Pavetta came in and shoved for four innings after our entire bullpen could have potentially been depleted. If the statistic says, I mean, Nate Avaldi objectively – I know we were talking about game four, but for game three, objectively is awful against the line for the third time around. And that's just a fact. Eddie, I assume his numbers are significantly worse than of all, or they might not be worse, but I I think they're significantly worse than his first and second time seeing the lineup. So if Alex Cora thinks that he should take out Eddie when he thinks he should take out Eddie, then I'm not going to question it, especially if you're going to bring in a guy like Tanner Houck. And I know he got, he got got last night. I mean, there's no denying the fact that Tanner Houck got caught last night, but he came in game two and shoved for however many innings he pitched for. So, I mean, you can't really fault Alex Cora for no for, for doing either of those things, for taking Eddie out or for bringing Houck in. It just didn't work out necessarily exactly how he wanted it to. Also, like, like the writing was on the wall. I said, I, I mentioned that before the inning even started. I was like, this is going to be his last batter. And he ended up hitting a double, which I feel like justifies it even more that it's like, all right, you know, Eddie just gave up a double to a lefty who's hitting last in this lineup. Now you've got the Rays best hitter. Who's a righty seeing him for a third time. It's like, all right, all point, all signs point to us taking him out. So I want to get that out there that that point kind of annoyed me and kind of was like, all right, that's kind of a casual, casual take right there. You had Franco who is a switch hitter too so right so it doesn't even matter 
handedness uh, advantage for and then, whatever. Yeah, and then you got Lau, and then you got Cruz. So it's like even if Eddie stayed in, he's at most not. He's not getting a Nelson Cruz. They're not letting Nelson Cruz see him for a third time. Yeah. So how do you not trust Alex Cora? Yeah. Managing the ball no, I know. I that, that. Yeah. Never mind. You know my opinion on that take. I'm not not saying who that was, but um, then. Yeah, then the Rays started to climb back. Franco hits that shot. Kind of sucked the air out of Fenway a little bit. Um, you know, that was that was one of those things. And then uh, Hauk ended up ending, ending the inning, got Lau to strike out, and Cruz to fly out. So you're like, all right, we need nine, nine more outs. How are we going to piece this together? Got to find a way. And the seventh inning, they went down one, one two, three. Um, Josh Taylor – Pitched really well. Yep. Uh, the offense was struggling, though. I mean, besides that third inning, they could not really get anything going. Yeah. Really. I mean, um, and then it's kind of been – that kind of happened in game three, too. Yeah. Where the offense was hot for the first five or six innings. Mm-hmm. And then I know that game three, nobody had touched third until hmm. the final run of the game since Kike hit the solo home run in the fifth or whatever it was. So that's, I mean, we're getting out to a hot start, but we just need to make sure that we continue to stay consistent. And that might just be kind of credit to the Rays bullpen because they are one of the better pens in the entire league. So, I mean, who knows? Like you can't really say it's going to be a trend for the future, but it's just something to look out for. I mean, the Rays bullpen is just about as good as it gets. It's deep. Yeah, got a lot of good players. So then we fast forward to the top of the eighth. Fenway's kind of rock, rocking again a little bit. Now it's like you can feel it. You see Brazier coming out. It's like, all right, this is Brazier's been like his 2018 um, self. You know, let's see. He's got, you know, the bottom of the lineup. Things are looking good. Things things did not go well. And I want to ask you guys, at what point did I text you that I was not talking anymore? I'm trying to remember. It was still 5 nothing. And you said, we're winning. And I said, something only winds up, you're on thin ice. And then, and then they scored the first run. Mm-hmm. And I was like, say good, Guardy. They start racking up runs. It's on you. You said at um, <laughs> at 9.05 p.m. I don't know what inning that was exactly. Probably but like the six. I think it was right after. Whatever. Fr- yeah, I think it was and- right after the Franco home run. Clausen said, I hate that guy. And I said, I say him, but not as much as I hate Guardy because you keep trying to jinx the Red Sox. And then you said, you won't hear from me for the rest of the night. Going dark for now. Good night. And I didn't didn't text him again. Clausen asked me a question I saw in the chat. I was like, you dumbass. You think I'm going to answer that? I asked you a question because somebody oh, DM'd us and was like, what are they chanting? And I was like, maybe oh, really? knows. He just didn't answer me. So I left him <laughs> open. I'm not answering him. <laughs> after, after the game, though, I answered him. I was like, I don't know what they were saying, but let's go. I don't really yeah. know what they were saying either. Why? Were they making a big deal about it? Um, I don't know. It was, just, it was after um, they reviewed Dougie oh. tagging up to third, I think, and then like Fenway was chanting like bullshit or something. I have no idea. Oh, yeah, that was probably. I also heavily enjoyed the ground rule double chant. Yes, that was hilarious. That Kevin Kiermaier quality. Yeah, and we'll get we'll talk about that in a minute too. Um, Yeah, so a lot of Yankee sucks chants, Uh, and then yeah, so Brazier comes out of the pen feeling confident. 
And then Mike Zunino, who like that's a really good matchup, at least I thought in the eyes of Brazier, where it's like you got a, a guy that strikes out a lot in Zunino, righty on righty, you know, power pitcher in Brazier, and smokes a ball off the right field fence, almost gets out. And then Kiermeyer comes up, doubles into the gap, makes it um, five to four. And then Randy comes up. And the, last, the last guy I wanted at the plate, I think I tweeted it out. You did. I, I saw like, that. Put anybody else at the plate other than Randy, please. Randy yeah. and Wander have – they just were thorns in our sides this series. So good. So, Randy singles. Fenway, like, just very quiet. You could hear a pin drop in there. Like, the air completely sucked out. The Rays, I think they were showing their uh, their dugout on the TV. Like, they were pumped up and – the thing, I mean, Renfro, he's been so good defensively all year, but that was probably one of the worst plays that he's made all year. Where... I've talked about it before. I have talked about it before. I'll let you keep going, but I've talked about this exact thing before. Where it's like, dude, you have a really good arm, but when you're not going to get him, please don't try to make an attempt at it. Just hit the cutoff guy so Randy is not standing at second base. Because I was, again, I was sitting down by right field, and I see Renfro field that ball. And Kiermaier is already halfway between third and home. And I'm like, Renfro, I swear to God, if you try to throw him out, you're not going to get him. And he tried to. And then Randy just scurried down to second. Kiermaier's wicked fast. Renfro, I've said it like three times in the past month and a half, probably, where Renfro has a little bit too much confidence in his arm. He's got a great arm. Guy's a very above best. average. Yeah, very above average defensive outfielder. But with being a really good defensive outfielder you have to have the iq and like the awareness to understand when it's time to hit the cutoff man and when it's time to throw through to home and that's probably his biggest weakness because that was an not a good throw it was way up the third baseline and he gave the rays an extra base and got a runner into scoring position with no outs so that really irked me yeah so at that point i'm fully expecting for the red sox to go down six to five because You've got the meat of the lineup coming up. You've got Wander Franco, Lau, Cruz. So I'm like, you know, one guy's going to fly out or something. You know, they're going to scratch a run across. And Garrett Whitlock comes in. And if there was ever an MVP in this game, it's Garrett Whitlock. Yeah, for this particular game, yeah. I mean, this guy has been so good all year. He's basically right now he's our closer. Yeah, I think that's how Core is utilizing him. In the most yeah. high leverage situations, Core is going to Garrett Whitlock. Yeah, like he, normally, right in that situation, you'd probably see Ottavino come in. I mean, Ottavino and Barnes didn't even pitch again last night. They didn't pitch in game three or game four. And um, I don't, I think that's good managing. They have been <laughs> I, terrible. They've been bad. No, really bad. They've been really bad. But Franco flies one out to Renfro. And again, he tries to – I don't know if they really showed this well on TV, but he hosed one, but it, like, was super low, and it bounced past Bogarts. It bounced past Devers, and I thought yeah. it was going to go into the dugout. And Garrett Whitlock standing right in front of the dugout to save the day. Yeah, the, the way that they shot it, I was watching it with my roommates last night, and they shot it where – he wasn't in frame. I don't think Bogarts was even in frame at the time. It was just mm -hmm. Devers and got by Devers. And I was like, oh my God, somebody please be there. And then it got by Bogarts and Garrett Whitlock still wasn't in frame. And I was like, fuck. And then <laughs> Whitlock picked it up and I was like, oh my God. They said on 
the broadcast, they were like, you know, Garrett Whitlock, any pitcher, they, they're back there a hundred times and they might have to make that play once. And Garrett Whitlock was there. So he did everything perfect. Yep. A great play. And then Lau grinded out, hit that little chopper back to Whitlock. And then Nelson Cruz popped it up to Rafi and the bottom of the eighth where Wander, Wander Franco leads it off by committing that error. error. You got Verdugo on second base. Oh, yeah. Fenway's getting real loud. You got the meat of the order coming up for the Red Sox now, runner on second, nobody out. And J.D., I don't, not a great swing on the ball. First pitch, pops it up to Randy, doesn't advance. And then Hunter Renfro smokes one to Kiermaier in center, who made one of the best throws I've seen in a long time. He called off Randy, too, because yeah. he knew that he had a better arm. Yeah, I mean, Verdugo was ready to go. Verdugo was thinking about going on that Randy, and then I think the Kiermaier one was a little bit deeper. He was like, all right, I'm going to try for it. And I honestly think that play was so close that whatever was called on the field was going to be the final decision. Like, Clausen? Um, I was talking to my roommate. Well, my roommate made the point. He was like, because the call on the field was out, they have to, there has to be enough evidence to reverse the call. And like, if they call them safe, they could have reviewed it and still call it safe. Like, as you said, call on the field was going to stand. It has to be quote unquote conclusive evidence that it should go the other way. And the only thing that kind of annoyed me about it is that the way, what the umpire said to Dougie, as soon as he called him out, he did like the, the off the base signal and then called him out and told Dougie that he was out because like he was safe initially. And then his hand came off the bag and then the tag was still on him. So he was out after. And I honestly thought via the replay that the closest part of that play was before Dougie touched the base at all. And I think that he definitely stuck to the base the entire time he was on it. So if the ump was like, he was safe, but I thought you came off. And then the evidence looked pretty good that it it wasn't the case that he came off. I don't know. I didn't think that they were going to overturn it, but it was just like annoying the way they handled it. Yeah, it was a long review. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what else to say, but it ended up not really mattering in the end. Whitlock comes out quick, top of the ninth, and then you head to the bottom of the ninth. And I will say this. I've never been to a playoff game before, and I get nervous in person watching games. <clears throat> I legitimately have not felt that nervous for a situation i cannot tell you the last time not for a test not for a meeting with someone not for anything like my i i've never felt my my body react like that in a situation my legs were shaking like fenway is so loud and i'm like literally like having trouble breathing i'm like having to like think about each breath because like my whole body is shaking i'm like red sox please end this here because like I'm going to perish if we go to like 13 innings again. Um, and my body could not handle that. No. Luckily it didn't have to. It, it was crazy. So yeah, Vasquez ends up reaching. You guys know what happened. Arroyo with that beautiful bun. I don't know if you guys saw the tweet about Jose Iglesias, what yeah. he said to Arroyo. That was awesome. What? Yep. What? I did not. Jose Iglesias taught him how to bunt. Yeah. Really? What would, what did the tweet just say? Just basically that. No, it was or Clausen. You can go. Uh, uh, they were talking about it in one of the games early on in the series, and Iglesias was like, "Oh, you should do that." Like it was something about like his back foot or something like that. Like, yeah, he said he was like pulling his back foot out. Yeah, so he was like, 
just keep it like keep your back foot planted the entire time and like that's how you lay down a good bunt and then is it like he's still with the team yeah Uh, he's still with the team he deserves to be i think yeah no he's been popping champagne huge huge part of why we're in the playoffs guy deserves a ring if we get that far knock on wood um but that was a that was a great bunt i mean i i said it i tweeted it out right away that that was a great bunt and it's crazy how many people in the bigs right now just can't bunt for the life of them so to lay down a solid sack punt like that was a sight for sore eyes. It was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. I uh, I just love that um, Cora made that decision. And just needed know, one. Up, yeah, that, that, well, that was how they were playing. They were like, we just need one. We don't need the big home run. Let's just move station to station. <clears throat> and then they pinch hit. Well, Bobby Dahlbeck came in for Schwarber, and then they brought in Shaw for Dahlbeck to hit. And, uh, yeah, Shaw grounds one over to – is it Diaz? Uh, yep. It was the third, Diaz. I think. No. Yeah, no, it was the third. I'm trying to think, though, because Vasquez got on with the leadoff single, right? Yes. And then, yeah, and then, and then Shaw grounded to Diaz – who made a terrible throw to G-Man Troy at first. Yep. And he just had to smother it and blocked it like a catcher, which I thought was a good play. But um, I don't know if he could have caught it. I, I don't know if you, like, kind of have to sell out and try and catch it, but guy kept it in front of him, so. I mean, I'll say this. From the angle I was watching, I saw the throw come in, and I, was, I could see right through, like, Troy's back. Like, I was kind of at that angle. And I saw him, like, like kind of – turn his glove over and then I saw him falling down and I saw the ball right under him before he fell. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, here we go. First and third one out. This is a sack fly opportunity. Kike put one in the air and this thing's over. He exactly what he needed to do. And it's exactly what he needed to do. Waited on his pitch. He, he swung heartedly at the first one rips one. I don't know what you guys thought. I thought that one could actually like could have gone off the monster. I, it looked I thought it was out bat. when he first swung. Yeah, yeah. no, it looked it, like the... he was like, he was no doubt. What when it hit the the ball hit the bat, he was like no doubt that's game over. He was walking around like he pimped a home run. <laughs> oh yeah, he bat flipped off the bat, especially I off the bat it looked fast. And then it, it yeah. to TK like pimping it a little bit. I was like, I thought that was a home run and it wasn't so, even uh, close, but it was deep enough to yeah. Once I saw like the launch angle and how that thing was moving, I was like, because it was weird because I wanted to celebrate, but I was like, they're going to, I knew the second that was hit. I was like, they're going to win this, but you got to wait like five more seconds. Brought in Santana, scurries home. Red Sox win. We're going to the ALCS. The only thing I just tweeted out. What? Sorry to interrupt our regular schedule of programming, but Edelman tweeted out, if you need a small ball pinch runner, you know where to find me at Red Sox. And then it's like him in the Red Sox jersey. Speaking of pinch runners, the only thing I did not like about this game is that Danny Santana scored the winning run. Oh, boo. Oh, come on. I I would rather have anybody else on that team run in from third. Why, because he took Franchi's spot? I would I would have lost my mind if Fran- Franchi would have scored in half that time. Clausen, you know what is kind of like a real-life pinch runner? What? When you have – like you need to go to the grocery store 
but you kind of need a pinch runner and maybe you could call it like a pinch shopper. I mean, I think that'd be really cool if that was a thing. If you could just call in a pinch runner to go to the grocery store with you. So wait, can you like break this down for me a little bit? I'm not totally understanding. So just like if you could be Alex Cora managing your own life, I suppose. And, in you know, the situation calls for some groceries. Like you need to get from, from second to home. But you just don't have it that day. You know, maybe you're not running fast enough. Maybe maybe your legs hurt and you just need a pinch runner. And you got to get from second to home. You got to get from home to the grocery store somehow. You got to get those groceries in. I just think well, that'd be cool. Well, Steve, not sure that we're on the same page, but I can advocate for my good friends at Instacart who may be a good pinch runner for you to get your groceries. And if you don't know, Instacart is an online grocery delivery app that allows you to handpick a variety of fresh foods and products. Forget that ingredient you need to make your famous dish while washing the socks, or you just need a pinch runner that day. You don't want Danny Santana handling your groceries. Order it through Instacart. There's, with a delivery straight to your door in as fast as an hour, you can shop multiple stores, see details in your area that will help you save money, and every item is hand-selected at the store to fit even the most specific needs. They always handle with care to make sure it gets to you in one piece. And if you still have not sparked your summer celebration, today would be a great day. It's 75 degrees and sunny in Durham. But if you have not, do it through Instacart. Your first order over $35 We'll have free delivery if you use the code in our show notes. Instacart, never step foot in a grocery store again. Woo! That, that's actually exactly what I had in mind. Thanks, Klaus. Oh. I'm glad we're on the same page. Steve, I have a question for you. Please ask. Someone just asked us on Twitter, any update on the essay that you were working on the other night? He said, I'm worried. Uh, fun fact, it was supposed to be due yesterday got uh the professor woke up monday morning realized it was marathon monday and said have an extra day guys so it's due tonight but i did i did fully write it uh prior to me seeing that email but i didn't edit it yet i'm actually going to do that right after we record i'm going to edit it i'm going to submit it it's going to be on time it's going to be great hell yeah i'm going to tweet at him that it's gonna it's getting done it's oh yeah tell him we're all this the the ship is sailing smoothly sweet um, so yeah, let's do a quick recap of the first three games. Um, yeah, let's just, let's just do a quick too, because, yeah, uh, I, you know, people really are, yeah, they know, they know what happened. They know what happened. Game one, they they lost. That's all I'm going to say about that. Game one. Uh, game two, good comeback. A lot of home runs. How Kike Hernandez is, was literally a God in game two. That was Probably the most insane performance from a player I've ever seen in my entire life. Five for six, three doubles, a home run, and a single. If Kiermaier didn't uh, play one of his doubles perfectly off the wall, he might have had a playoff cycle, but only Brock Holt uh, can do that. Clawson? Awesome. For what I believe is the third time in Gone Bridge history, I will be slaving through this episode with a bloody nose. <laughs> oh, my God. Time. Not again. <laughs> Yeesh. Um, you guys are witnessing history. I'm not witnessing anything. I'm witnessing your profile picture right now. You I think right you're, if this ends up in a clip, the people probably wouldn't want to see me with a tissue plug in my nose. That's fair. You're this is like, you guys ever remember when uh, Jerry Remy just lost a tooth like mid broadcast? You ever seen I, that? I do vaguely remember <laughs> that. 
He's like, do talking. it live. Fuck it. <laughs> that's a clip. Fuck it. We'll do it live. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, game two, yeah. we really got to, like, everybody, I mean, we scored like 15 runs yeah. or something. The first we, 10. Everybody innings. hit well. Hit like six home runs. I mean, Kike and Tanner Houck are probably the two highlights from that game. Without Tanner Houck stepping in and what I believe to have been the second inning. Yeah. Uh, and then just shoving for however many innings he went, four or five. I mean, fun fact, actually. Prior to him letting up that wait, home wait, run. Wait, Steve, Steve. What? On a scale of one to ten, how fun are we talking? Uh, it's, I think it's pretty fun. Really? Like, I, I'd probably give it, like, uh, an 8.2. Okay, cool. On the fun scale. Fun That's fact. Um, Tanner Houck, prior to him letting up, he, I think he let up one run that game, right? Game two, he definitely uh, let up a hit. Whatever. Yeah, Point later is. on, but he had already like his last game against the Nationals, the Yankees game, or did he pitch in the Yankees game? I think I he know. did, and but, the Rays game. But he threw nine, like a perfect game across the three games. That was literally what I was just gonna say. Fuck, I'm sorry. Well, that's the fun fact. He threw a perfect game over his last three appearances prior to him letting up what I believe to have been like a double off the wall from like Franco or something. Yeah, but he shoved. Kike has been shoving in the entire series. Game two was fun. I enjoyed it. Do we think that the whole reasoning of moving Kike to the two hole was some favorable matchups against lefties, aka McClanahan, Boz, and then also him having just great numbers against the Rays? Do we think Kike will stay leading off, or do you think, or stay in the two hole, or do you think him and Schwarber will switch back? I think that he's going to stay in the two hole. I think Schwarber is a valuable leadoff hitter, not because he's your stereotypical leadoff hitter who has speed and maybe can get around the bases pretty quickly, but he is a guy that walks a lot. He's a high OBP. He could put the ball in play and there is a high percent chance that there's going to be like a guy on base for Kike who hits the raise really well. I think that's pretty much what Corey was going for. And I don't know if anybody is a really high sample size against either the Astros or the White Sox, but I, I would, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, Steve, can I tell you something? Yeah. Uh, Kyle Schwarber this year for the Red Sox, he played in 41 games. He had 168 plate appearances. He, he got on base 43% of the time. Wow. That's really good. An OBP of four, three, five. Like Kyle from Waltham did that? Yeah, yeah. I actually I drove through his hometown yesterday. A great, a great town. I would love. I would have loved to grow up there. Waltham is a nice place. Yeah, no, it's yeah. awesome. And then uh, game three, um, got off to a little tough start, and he gave up that home run in the first. And the Red Sox came back, and I want to just more talk about extras because this game ends up going to extras. And yeah, Nick Pavetta saved the freaking day. Where were you when Nick Pavetta <laughs> saved the bullpen? Steve, do you talk a little bit more about that comment? Yeah, I mean, I commented uh, the next day. The Red Sox posted like a couple pictures of Pavetta celebrating and pitching toward, like, celebrating after he finished innings because his celebrations walking to the dugout were just an absolute awesome. electric factory. Guy was pumped up probably the most pumped up i've seen a pitcher this year 
And I mean, as he did, as Nate Evaldi did in 2018, Nick Pavetta saved our bullpen in game three. And I said under the Instagram on Gone to Gombridge, contact out, follow us at Gone to Bridge Podcast. Follow us at Gone Bridge Podcast. Shame, shame, shameless plug. I said, uh, where were you when Nick Pavetta saved the bullpen? And it got, you know, a couple hundred likes. No big deal. And uh, like 15 people told me exactly where they were when Nick Pavetta saved the bullpen. So thanks, me, guys. had me dying. They were like, I was in row three of section eight CK. Yeah, I was like, I was working, like shitting my pants, looking at game notifications. <laughs> okay, thanks. But kind of now, a rhetorical question, but it's funny that the people actually responded. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you like don't really like get the joke, it's like, oh, where was I? It's like where it's like a, there's two moments in life where I think, where was I for that? And the one that really sticks out to me more is, you know, where was I when Nick Pavetta saved the bullpen? Yeah, usually it goes, where was I when the challenger exploded? And then shortly thereafter, where was I? When Nick Pavetta saved the bullpen. Yeah, it's like Challenger, JFK, Assassination, Nick Pavetta bullpen. 314 likes. The assassination of Art Duke French Ferdinand. That was a big one for me. And fire was first. Where were you when the first caveman lit a spark? I watched till the 11th inning, then passed out because I was tired. Yeah, I was like... in the game on ESPN radio, playing Fallout 4 and listening on the radio at the game. Rayfield Box 90 wrote SS. <laughs> Sweet B4, standing seats, green monster by the foul pole. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Like, I always like more interaction than less interaction. So, me shout too. Out. Yeah, me too. I love, love that. Um, so, yeah, and then they come back. Well, Steve Brady, I mean, there could not be more of a difference between my takes, not my takes, my takes aren't bad, but my ability to jinx and your ability for your takes to manifest out of midair. I just have positive vibes. Just you gotta manifest positive vibes into the world. Said so I think it was like the eighth inning. I was like, Christian Vasquez hits exclusively like clutch home runs. He might hit a home run right now. And he didn't hit a home run that at bat, but he did hit a home run to walk off the game. And that was an even clutcher home run. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And I think the last thing that we gotta talk about in the series is that. Ground rule double that Kiermaier. Oh, yeah. Ground rule double. Before we get to that, I think it was funny that the announcer uh, before. Wait, the, annou- was... the announcer? Yeah. He who shall not be named. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. The, the next manager of the New York Yankees. Yeah. Probably. He goes, he goes, there's been seven catchers to walk off a playoff game with a home run. And then Vasquez swung at the first pitch and hit it over the monster or into the monster. And he goes, could this be it? I thought that was a, a pretty decent call. Well, I mean, it was, it was lucky, but it was an awesome call. Yeah. I mean, he, he kind of manifested it, you know? Yeah. Maybe you're the next, uh, he who shall not be named. Yeah. I could, you know, I could commentate our Sox game. Yeah. Maybe I'll just go on Twitch and start doing that next year. <laughs> Listen to my broadcast. Watch. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Kiermaier hits that ball in extras. You got a runner. Was it runner on first? It goes up against the mo- or up against the short wall on right, bounces down off of Renfro over into the bullpen. Now, Kevin Cash knew that rule was a rule because 
a Red Sox stats. I don't even know how he found that clip, but it was from like 2019 Rays Blue Jays where a Rays player went to field the ball, went to like kind of scoop it up and he ended up scooping it into the stands and cash came out because he was like, no, that's a ground rule double. So the runner on first has to stop. So, I mean, thankfully cash knew what the rule was. The umpires knew what the rule was. It's not like, it's not like, you know, the runner should have been home and they called it a ground rule double. Like they followed the rules. Is it kind of a stupid rule? I think it depends on the situation who it benefits, but you know, I think that that's just the only way a rule can be written. I mean, you could maybe adjust it a little bit and put in somewhere that says, you know, runners advance based on umpires discretion on where they would have otherwise end up if the ball remained in play. Something like that. But, I mean, hey, the rule wasn't written like that. No. And on ESPN, they mentioned, like, the rule, but they said they, – they forgot to talk about it being an unintentional movement. So then people were talking about, like, oh, well, what if a player sees it and then that scenario and, like, accidentally, like, knees it over the fence when it bounces to him? And it's like, all right, well, in the rule book, it clearly states that it has to be unintentional. Hunter Renfro was, like, literally turned. He wasn't even, like, trying to – like, there was no way he could have made a play on that ball. Completely caught him by surprise. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it sucks. Like, if that went against the Red Sox, I'd be pissed, too. Yeah, so would I. But, like, the tuck rule, that also benefited us. Like, where were you when the tuck rule happened? Kind of a stupid rule, but that's that's the rule. Yeah. Clausen? Rules are rules. Yeah. Yeah. Conveniently, oh, yeah. I was in the same place to see the tuck rule as I was when the challenger exploded. Where? Oh, wait, no, I was alive for the tuck rule. Yeah, I was going to say, mind. you were alive for the tuck rule. But, I mean, the, the way that the rule is, works is if it, the difference between that happening and, say, like, Rafi fielding a ball at third base and then you yeeting it into the dugout. Yeah. Done that before, um, is that nobody had maintained possession of the baseball yet before it went over. So nobody Hunter Renfro did not play and make possession of the baseball prior to him knocking it over the fence. And that's a big discretion because if, because it's like if he had made possession or if Rafi makes possession at third and then throws it to Bobby and Bobby gets like knocked in the head and then it goes over Sure, Bobby unintentionally knocked it technically over the fence, but Rafi had maintained possession of the ball. Therefore, it's the same as if Bobby intentionally threw it over the wall. So Hunter never grabbed the ball. He just ran into it. And that's the difference because the way that the rule works, if Rafi throws it into the stands, is then it's like umpire, like, can say, like, that's where you were on the base path. And then this is where you will end up. But the Hunter Renfro rules because he was at first base. It doesn't matter where you are on the base path. Yeah. Um, so I'll end this by saying a couple things. Clausen, I would like to. I would like to actually end the segment, but you can go first. Okay. Well, I just want to give just a screw you, guy. Yeah. Honestly, don't go fuck myself. Uh, I need to. <laughs> I need to stick one to the people. Okay. I'm also about to stick one to the people a little bit too. I, uh, hold on, Steve, actually, you got a quick something to say while I find this? 
Just say uh, something. I think you guys are both like running on the same vibe, so I'm going to try and curate that right okay. now. Um, if you are a person that said the Boston Red Sox die or were, were dead at any point this season, if you were a person that was out on the Sox, if you were a person that prior to the season, you didn't even think it'd be worth watching this Boston Red Sox team, then I feel bad for you because your attitude must be horrible. And I hope that you don't tune in for the ALCS. And I hope that you don't tune in for the potential World Series, knock on wood, because you don't deserve it. All three of us here, and Bar Clausen a little bit was kind of negative, um, <laughs> said that the Boston Red Sox were going to have a great season. And they've exceeded expectations, sure. But we knew that they were going to have a great season. And I hope that they keep exceeding expectations. Because as Kike Hernandez said, when was the first time that he knew that this team was in for something special? Spring training. Spring training. Spring training. So Spring that's, training. that's what I got to end this segment. I'm going to end this segment by saying this. Everybody wanted to doubt on this team in spring training. Then they went out and had a great first half, and they still wanted to doubt. Then they came out. They didn't make a big trade. They got Kyle Schwarber, who people at the time didn't really like. Bobby Dahlbeck. They go on a huge losing streak. Yankees take over. First wild card spot. You know, get leapfrogged by the Blue Jays. Matt Barnes blows this, that, da, da, da. August was a freaking shit show. I'm not going to lie about it. Unenjoyable. In fact, so unenjoyable. I'll actually end my segment by the quote that I had. But there are a lot of people who hopped off the bandwagon. And people didn't want this team. There are there a lot of people. People didn't want this team to do well. Then they beat the Yankees. They get, to, they get into the playoffs. And they're like, all right, they're going to lose to the Yankees. And they're like, all right, they're going to get mollywopped by the Rays. They didn't. They didn't. This what team, a cold take. Yeah, I know. And I, after the first game, the amount of people I saw saying, it's already over. It's already this. Dude, it's been one game. You got Chris Sale on the mound tomorrow. I know he didn't end up pitching well. The team still won the game. And then you got Nasty Nate at Fenway, who freaking shoved it against the Rays. And you got game four. Which ended up happening. It was perfect. I am. I was so tired this season of people being out on this team. And I'll be honest, the amount of like shit, especially just from like people on Instagram stories I saw yesterday of like, love this team, ALCS, this, this, that. Like you can say that, but you don't necessarily, you don't, you don't feel that way. Like for me being at the game yesterday, watching them win that game, it honestly like, Again, it had me almost emotional because, like, the three of us, like, we have become so close. We have experienced this full season. We've documented. Like, you can go back and you can hear any part of the season and what we had to say about it. It's honestly pretty cool, in my opinion. We've documented this whole season. We've worked really hard on the season. We've been very positive, and it has freaking paid off. Obviously, I don't play for the Red Sox, so my work that I put into Gombridge has nothing to do with the Red Sox. But it's been a hell of a season, and I'll end this by saying this: If you hopped off the, se- if the Jesus, let me talk. If you hopped off the bus during the Tiger series, I'm sorry, but I can't have you seeing Christian Rowe pop champagne all over the streets of Boston. Clawson, you want to follow that up? Yeah. Can we go back to episode 56 real quick? Yeah. This is episode 56. 55. I'm illiterate. Okay. Bring yourself back to episode 55, specifically to the predictions part of episode 55, where one Alex Clausen said, in four games, the Red Sox would beat the Rays 
and how did he say that they would do it? How, Carson? He said that they would drop game one in Tampa, win game two in Tampa, come back to Fenway, and did he say win both in Fenway? I think he did. I did hear that. That's the way the math adds up. I mean, do you have an exact quote from yourself, or you just remember it? (laughs) No, I'm sure I could find a quote. Okay, I mean, that is what I said. So I just like to, for all the bad takes that I've had, this like incredibly correct prediction, I think, starts to starts to bring water back to its level. And Alex Clausen. Oh, water finds its level. Great episode. Great episode. Golf clap for Clausen. Having a take hit. (laughs) Just Red Sox fans, enjoy the ride. This team has already exceeded expectations. (laughs) Like, you know, I had them personally as a wild card team. I didn't even, you know, I, I was confident after they beat the Yankees, but you know, after that national series, I was like, eh. I was never out on this team, but you gotta, you gotta be realistic sometimes. But last night was just a feel good moment. And if this team doesn't go any farther, I'm okay with that. It's been a great season. Don't talk but, like that. I'm not am, trying to. Like, I am full steam ahead. I'm confident. I'm not saying I'm confident. I'm just saying, like the difference, I'll say this, the difference between like 2018 and this is 2018. If they had lost in the ALCS, I would have been freaking pissed about it. Okay. You can say that this has been a successful season up until like up until. I'm not saying point. I don't want them to win the World Series. Yeah, but that's all I want you to say about it. This has been a successful season. Yes, up until okay. this point. But it's going to be even more successful in about two weeks. All right. So yeah. fucking book it. I agree with you there. Let's talk about who we might play. Yeah, so we already we uh, fun fact for anybody listening. We wiped out the best team in the American League. We we took care of them in four games. So the Astros and the White Sox game actually just got underway. Game four, the uh, what's it called? Yeah, the Astros and the Rays tied at or Astros and the White Sox tied at zero. Bottom one. Astros up 2-1 in the series. Klaus, I, I know you had something you wanted to say earlier about the Astros. Or was that Steve? Oh. Or was that nobody? Or was that nobody? I don't, all I said was that the Astros, like they do with everything, have an asterisk. Oh, right. Well, I, I don't even remember who the White Sox pitcher was, but he they've already been accused of cheating in the playoffs. It was Ryan Tapera. That's right. I said we should have traded for him, but I'm not mad that we didn't. Right, you did when he was on the Cubs. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, it is – it's just funny. You know, they go out and they do their thing at home like they do every playoffs, except for when the Red Sox swept them three times in Houston in 2018. Uh, but that's beside the point. So, yeah, so we're either going to have the Astros. We're either going to have the White Sox. First game is on Friday. Yeah, I saw that. Hilarious. <laughs> did you see the other one, Steve? No, there were like three other people who agreed with us. It was so funny. Anyway, so that was that. Steve just showing me something from that that Eddie taking him out too early. Take, uh, anyways, Evaldi starting game one. It's already been announced on regular five days rest. He's gonna be on the road, but I mean, I I guess you you got Chris Sale. He'll he'll probably have like a bullpen day. I think either today or Wednesday. Really stretch out that arm a little bit. And then back into action on Friday in either Houston or Chicago. Who would you guys oh, yeah. rather play? 
Would I rather play? Yeah. Clausen? Uh, I'll be Tough. honest. They're because both good teams. Give me the Astros. I would. I think I would take the Astros too. Their pitching isn't as great. Yeah, that's what I was. Their thinking. offense is pretty gross, but their pitching what? is is not as strong. The White Sox had some stretches this year where they were legitimately looking like one of the best teams in baseball. They yeah. have one of the. Yeah. I, well, I know they're one of the best. Like they, their pitching staff is really good. Obviously, you had two front runners uh, for Cy Young and. Uh, Close Rodon. Rodon. Yeah, Rodon and Lynn. You've also got Giolito, who, like, I picked on the Cy Young this year, and he's, like, their third starter. Falling but, off a little bit. Yeah, he's not he's not as good as he was. But then you got, you know, Kopech, Kimbrel, Hendricks out of the pen. Tapara also was very good yeah. this season. Cease, uh, you know. Gross. Yeah, that's – and then three other guys uh, who I've honestly never really heard of. And then, you know, you've got <laughs> Grandal, Abreu – Kata, Tim Anderson, Jimenez, like Robert, like the, their lineup stacked. It's a great I, lineup. I gotta say, I gotta say, I, well, not only do I want the Astros because I think their pitching staff is a lot worse, and our number one weapon is our offense. So if we can just destroy a, a subpar pitching staff, I think that would be really ideal for us. Secondly, I think that the entire Houston Astros team is a team full of Garrett Cole esque <laughs> mental midgets who remember 2018 and remember the fact that the Boston Red Sox like kicked their ass essentially. And I mean, I just don't think that they really are going to be mentally prepared to face this absolute wagon, absolute, like just dogs, absolute dogs of a Boston Red Sox team. I just don't think they're ready for that. I just, I think they're, you know, too, they're just a bunch of babies and they're just not going to be able to hang with a bunch of dogs like the Sox, like Kike and Schwarber and you know, Rafi and Xander. You just can't. I don't think they yeah. can handle Fenway either. The oh, way no the, way. No the Yankees, the Yankees totally dropped the ball at Fenway. I, yeah. They're not I even I would, close. Oh, you're so and right, Clawson. You're so the right. The Rays, I mean, the Rays have no home field advantage in the trot. Like, nobody goes to those games. You watched game one, and, like, the entire top section was empty. I honestly feel so bad just, for Rays players. I mean, the Let stadium me to Montreal next. Uh... Good. Honestly, get them out of Tampa. I was so pissed at that C – what was it? The C-ring home run that Cruz hit in game one? Yeah. That was the biggest bullshit I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, people – Not that it ended up but – Back to my point. You go to Fenway. I don't think that – just the just the environment of the last two games, that team rallies around the crowd so hard, and the crowd takes no prisoners at all. I mean, perfect example of that, and I think you're so right that a Fenway a Fenway crowd would eat the Astros players alive. Correa and Altuve. Uh, Dude, just... the, the way I saw them get eaten alive in Kansas City on a Monday game in August, I can't even imagine Fenway. I think it's it's easy to say that they have the best home field advantage in baseball. The Red but Sox. Right now, right now, besides maybe the Dodge. No, not even the Dodgers. I think the Fenway. Reds, it's definitely Fenway. It's, it's, it's easy, easy Fenway. It's got to be Fenway. The only other stadiums that would like really come to mind would be like Wrigley. Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium. I mean, not even this season. Old Yankee Stadium. Yeah. And 
the white uh the white Sox have a good home crowd yeah but it's not it's nothing like stinks yeah i I hate that park but yeah i mean we're i think i want the astros to win today so that we can just eat them alive in the lcs we'll see i also sorry go ahead I, I just that was pretty much it. I would love to see that. I would love to face the Astros too. I'd also love for this series to go five games and tire out that rotation a little bit more. Yeah, that's true. Um, honestly, it doesn't matter to me though. It's kind of like the Patriots. Like, all right, send them, send them our way, and we'll take care of it. They're walking into a wood chipper right now. Yeah, I know. Literally, can you believe that though? That if we win four more games, we're in the World Series. Yeah, I can. It's it's still like kind of like I believe it. It's like holy well, I mean I can believe it, but I'm like shit. It's that close, that close. (laughs) Anyways, um, who do you guys got coming out of the NL real quick? You got the Giants up two one. You got the Braves up two one. I think the Giants are wagon. The Giants are surprising me. (laughs) I I kind of thought that they would be so hot for so long, get to the postseason, and just run out of gas, but. Their pitching staff has been just outrageous. I can, they yeah. shut out the Dodgers twice in the series already. Right? I can, I can no longer be like, oh, well, the Giants are going to come back down to earth. I don't think that like all these old guys can keep up. Yeah. You just can't say that anymore. The Giants are legit. I think that they're 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 making it to the World Series. All right. They pitch well and play great defense. And Fair enough. It's just – I was in the same boat, Steve, but they haven't come down to earth. If the Dodgers get out, like if the Dodgers get out – the three NL teams remaining are like some of my favorite teams in the NL. I really like the Braves. I like Brewers are my favorite NL team, and uh, I've always kind of liked the Giants too. You got a friend of friend of the program on the Giants too. Hell yeah! Yep. Um. So who? Let's do an Alex Cora impact player of the series. Uh, let's go first. I can't if we have. There's a lot of options this week. Sorry, excuse me. A lot of options this week. Um, I'm going to say – I'm going to not go with the obvious answer. And I'm going to go with the second most obvious answer. Uh, I'm going to probably go with uh, Garrett Whitlock. Mm-hmm. Because if Garrett Whitlock did not come in last night and keep the game tied, we potentially don't win last night. And if we don't win last night, we go back to the trop. And who knows? So I, I feel like – Winning last night was hugely important for us. Garrett Whitlock not only pitched great last night, but he's pitched great the entire series. So I'm going to give Garrett Whitlock a .90. All right. Clawson, you want to go next? I'd like to go last. Okay. Because there's an obvious answer. There's such an obvious answer. All right. I'm not going to say him. Nobody's going to say him. Are you going to say him, Clawson? I guess I have to. I can't leave him off of this, this list this week. No, he can't be left off. I'll no, absolutely not. I'll go with a different guy then. I'll go with a guy who saved the day on Sunday. He had another big game on Monday. He's been a guy who doesn't always find himself in the starting lineup. He's taken his role and he is clutch when he needs to be. He didn't have the best regular season ever, but he had a really great first round. Big ninth inning knock to start the rally last night. And that is Christian Vasquez who I'm going to give a point eight seven on the Alex Cora impacts. There's, I thought you were going to go with somebody else, like even outside of like the obvious really? guy. 
And like, I just keep thinking about how there's was a lot of guys. There, everybody, you could could give it to a lot of guys. Uh, I guess I have to say the obvious. This guy brings the energy, brings the hype. What does he like to do? Yeah. He brings the energy, brings the hype. Every time he's at Fenway, he's getting the crowd going. The team loves him. The players love him. The city loves him. Mr. Rally cuffs himself, Steve Peralt. We don't win this what? series. No way. <laughs> Get out of here. We don't win this series. You're joking, right? This man, this man wore a Reese's peanut butter cup costume to Fenway and ate an asinine amount of Reese's peanut butter cups in the last week. I have to give him credit. He's getting a 1.0. He started a revolution, folks. Hey, I mean, that's fair. Gar- Gardner is crying. <laughs> I was not expecting that at all. I was like, all right, yeah. Like, the guy I was thinking of, I was like, he checked every, he checked every box. Like, yep, he did do that. A great series. And Wade does love expecting. him. Yep. yep. Wow, I can't believe that we went through that whole thing and did not even mention Kike Hernandez. Well, but well I, I thought you guys were in it. I was like, I, who, who really had an impact on this team? And all right, well, I, I think mean, you're going to have to put Kike on the graphic. Anyway. I'll, I'll put him on the graphic. We're going to get yeah. that graphic out this afternoon. What do you guys think Kike deserves? Give Kike like a 0. 0.95. 0.96. Yeah. Because it's like 69 backwards. True. And Kike likes to bang. He does like to bang. Dad. Um, I texted actually I texted Stephen Jared yesterday about like trying to meet up at one point. Um, we talked, but we like it was just we weren't able to to make it happen. And uh, Steve ended up texting me, and he was like, "Oh, I'm up, I'm up by the K guys." And I look up there and I just see this big orange outline. <laughs> Uh, I was just like, ah, there he is. There's the man. That's your problem. He has eaten so many Reese's peanut butter. It's disgusting. <laughs> I honestly like. I- I'm so no. Well, like I'm honestly, all in on it. I'm yeah, all, oh, I'm all in on the free ads. Like, <laughs> hey man, this is out of the bag. There's nothing, there's nothing we can hide. My sister sent me a a picture yesterday of her in the middle of the day going to CVS in a Red Sox jersey to get a bag of Reese's cups. And I was like, was like what are we doing here? Like, I, this is I'm, a freaking revolution. This is a revolution. Yes. I told you it's a revolution. It's I a revolution. Stro- I'm Boston stocking up for the ALCS. so fat because of Steve Perot. We're going to watch. Right. We're going to watch. We got to watch some more of the ALCS games together. I know yeah. we were all busy this weekend. We were going to try and do a second episode, but with like the holiday weekend. I was home. Yeah. It was, Watched the games with my dad. Shut up. I had... I had a lot of stuff to do. It was just a busy weekend. So we'll try and we'll be a little bit more on top of it in the ALCS, but we're going to eat some rally cups. It's a bad day to have a nut allergy. Bad week to have a nut allergy. Bad yeah. month, honestly, to have a nut allergy. One of my friends from home, like biggest Sox fan that I know outside of us, and he like comments on our stuff a lot. His name's Ryan. Oh, yeah. Ryan's he cool. Cannot, he cannot eat peanut butter. Oh, no. Yeah. I know it's well, tearing him up right now. What's uh all right? I think we have an opportunity here. What? Nope. We're not messing with it. Yeah, I'm kind no, of no, 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 no. <laughs> no. We're not creating an alternative. Okay, I was gonna say an alternative for the ones who would 
famish if they eat I don't them. think that that's our should place. We, you don't think so? You don't, don't think we should I don't think we have the jurisdiction to come up with that. What if we were like the uh, the celery stalks? Like if you can't eat Reese's, you get yourself a celery stock. No, because then the whole point is like rally cups. It's like rally caps. Okay, well. Rally stocks? Rally stocks. That makes no sense. I'm sorry. Rally. If you can't eat them, just buy a bag and keep them in the Rally house. corn. Start pounding ears of corn. What about uh, this? This is oh. a job for Steve Peralt. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I'll, I'll we don't just, we don't get paid enough. For we'll this. figure that out. I um or at all. No, no, we we actually don't get paid to do this. Fun fact, Rocker, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Jeez, um, I'm just trying to think if I have anything else. Oh, I actually did put on my rally cap for the ninth inning. If you look at that video that I took of the walk off, my hat is completely turned inside. Okay. So. Yeah, Man. I put on the rally cap. Also, we, this was really weird. Some guy in front of me, the guy in front of me was in like college. He was about our age. Did you get recognized? Yes, kind of. <clears throat> uh, oh, do you really? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, no, kind of. And so he was like, he was, he was drinking a lot of uh, bread, bread water. And Soda. Yeah, bread soda. And, you know, he was, he was definitely feeling himself a little bit. I ended up taking the shirt off. You know, he was, he's got into it. So, anyway, he, the friend I was there with, every time the Red Sox would do something well, he'd like turn his camera to us. He'd like take his selfie, like, yeah. And then he'd like turn his camera to us and he'd be like, what do we think, guys? And just be like, yeah, he sucks. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, he, like, I swear his story, his, his Snapchat story must have been like 30 minutes long. It was like every other pitch. He was like, video, story, video, story. So he ends up turning around to me in like the eighth inning. He goes, are you from Connecticut? And I was like, yeah, I am. And he shows me this and someone messaged him and was like, someone, I, I do not know who this kid is. And he was like, I know that's Andrew, like, and my last name and the exact place of where I'm from. And I was like, that's weird. Well, I don't know how they know where you're from. I don't, he was like he's friends with someone I know, but I like did not know the other kid. No, oh, so you did not get recognized for this podcast. No, no, that's, that's oh. initially what I thought you were gonna oh, say. No, um, no, we're still waiting on that. So if you're at, Fenway, I got recognized by at one time. Yeah, at the gym, that was cool. Shout out, Gardner and I got we got recognized last year. Actually, yeah, we got recognized once last year. That was cool. That was cool. Um, all right, you guys. I'm trying to think if we got anything else. It's been a uh, heck of a week. Any notes, Clausen? Yeah. I mean, it kind of bleeds into my uh, closing out the ninth, but the amount of shirtless people after game three was just out of this world. A lot of shirtless people. Bad Fenway day to be was, a shirt. Fenway was off its hinges Hell this yeah, weekend. Absolute zoo. It was crazy. Crazy. It took, it took forever to get out of that city. Uh, between the time I left and the time I got home, again, it's it's a little over an hour drive to New Hampshire. It was a ten and a half hour trip. Yeesh. And the game was like getting it back. It took us like like a little over two hours. Wow, it was a long day. We also stopped for uh, for a little grub, but um, that's beside the point. So yeah, should we uh, close out the ninth here? Sure. Yeah. All right, I'll go first just because I have one thing on my head. 
it was really cool to me after the game ended. I stuck around for a little bit just to watch like the celebration until the guys went down into the clubhouse to, you know, pop bottles. It was really cool to me to see both Heim Bloom and Sam Kennedy, both guys who have caught in a lot of flack, you know, not really necessarily since the trade deadline, but especially a guy like Sam Kennedy, where it's like, you know, he works with the ownership group and he's cheap and this and that. And he's going up to every player and like fully embracing them in a hug, like fully like pumped up. And I know it's because they're winning, but if you don't have that relationship with your players, like you're not, you're still not going out there unless you probably won the world series. Like Alex Verdugo went up to him and like fully hugged him. And like, it was every single guy, even RAUs, like over these role players. Like it was, it was really cool to see Heim was super happy. And I kept thinking about like Heim came from Tampa, came to Boston, you know, a whole new experiment. People doubted him. And then he comes out, beats his old team. It was just, again, the storylines wrote itself yesterday. So that's all I got. If you still don't believe in Heim Bloom, then I don't know if you can believe in anything. And get out. If you this haven't sparked has- your celebration and still don't believe in Heim Bloom, get out of here. Just get out. This man has pulled every string in the correct way. Might not look like it at first. People people bashed him for taking Kyle Schwarber at the trade deadline, and that was it. Worked out. Man was a huge part of this series. Um, bouncing off of that, <clears throat> Alex Cora also, after the game, in tears on the field. Almost made me cry. Yep. That man cares so much about this team. I love him. Yeah, I mean, my closing out the ninth is that when – when we started this season, I was confident. Right now, I have never been more confident in my entire life. The Red Sox have big things still to come. I'm just not even at the tip of the iceberg. Let's go, Sox. I can't wait to see who steps up next series because I think it's going to be a different guy. Let's go. Next man up. So we'll be back. So let's see. First game is Friday, Saturday. So we'll try to get an episode out, like record on Sunday, try to get something out uh, before Fenway next Monday. But again, absolute hell of a series. The Red Sox going to the ALCS. Thank you guys for sticking with us all year. It's been crazy. Let's keep this train rolling. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Gombridge Podcast and Twitter at Gombridge. Don't forget to Download our episodes on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Shoot us a review if you can on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate those. And we will be back later this week with episode 57. See ya!